0: Start Ritual or add Essential for Women 18 Plus to your subscription today. That's ritual.com forward slash sober mom for 25% off. All right, you guys, I am currently struggling with a pinched nerve in my neck, and if you have ever had one, you know the pain. So I am feeling super thankful for today's sponsor, Tanasi. Tanasi's CBD CBDA is two times better than CBD alone and better than over the counter ibuprofen, acetaminophen, and aspirin. It helps soothe and relieve my aches and pains, like my pinched nerve, and it's great for sleep and anxiety, so I put it on right before bed. Tanasi was discovered by a team of chemists and biologists at Middle Tennessee State University, and 5% of all revenue is given back to the university partner for ongoing research. It is THC-free and comes in a range of products. I love the topicals, but you can also choose from soft gels, gummies, and tinctures. Satisfaction is guaranteed. Try Tanasi for 30 days, and if you don't love it, you get a full refund. Go to Tanasi.com and use code MOM to get 25% off at checkout. That's T-A-N-A-S-I.com to get 25% off your first order with promo code MOM. Hi, welcome to the Sober Mom Life Podcast. I'm your host, Suzanne, of My Kind of Sweet and The Sober Mom Life on Instagram. If you are a mama who has questioned your relationship with alcohol at times, if you're wondering if maybe it's making motherhood harder, this is for you. I will be having candid, honest, funny conversations with other moms who have also thought, hmm, maybe motherhood is better without alcohol. Is it possible? We'll chat and we'll talk about all things sobriety and how we've found freedom in sobriety. I don't consider myself an alcoholic. You don't have to either. And Maybe life is brighter without alcohol. I hope you will join us on this journey and I'm so excited to get started. Hello, welcome back. I'm very excited about today's episode. I have Celestia Vaughn here. She was on the podcast, I don't know, months ago. Time isn't real. And she talked about her story in that podcast the first time she came, but she's back because we're talking about her new book, It's Not About the Wine, The Loaded Truth Behind Mommy Wine Culture, which you guys know is a topic near and dear to my heart. This book should be a must-read for any mom, really. I think talking about the mental load of motherhood is, I mean, we get, we get into all of it. We get into visible versus invisible work and, and we get, we even get into Rachel Hollis. You guys, it's, this is a good one. Celeste is a writer, mom, marketing professional. Her work has been featured in the Washington Post, Good Morning America, the Today Show, Refinery 29, among others. I think she's almost six years sober and she's a founding host of the Sober Moms Squad. You guys will love her. And I get to meet her IRL this week. We get to go to dinner. So stay tuned for pictures of that. I'll share on my kind of suite. Don't forget, if you need community and sobriety, if you're just trying to figure this out, come and join us at the Sober Mom Life Cafe. It's $15 a month. You get so much stuff. We keep adding. You guys, we just we're just gonna keep adding stuff. So we have five weekly Zoom peer support meetings. I lead some, Audrey leads some, my mom leads some. We also now added a Sunday topic meeting. So that's one Sunday a month. We'll be talking about being social in sobriety. We'll be talking about if your husband still drinks. So those will be topic meetings. We also have bonus podcast episodes. We have book club once a month where the authors come to talk with us too. We have so much stuff. You get to sign up to share your story on the podcast to be on the Real Sober Mom Chats. And when I tell you they're the most supportive women on the internet and just maybe in real life, it's just so true. I love these women so much. Come and join us. The link is in the show notes. Don't forget, if you're loving the podcast, please give it five stars and review it and follow it or subscribe or do whatever it asks you to do up there in the upper right hand corner and share it with a friend who you think would like it. And I just can't thank you enough for all of your support. And okay, here's my chat with Celeste. Okay, Celeste, you're back. Yay, yay, yay. We're back to talk about your new book. It's not about the wine, the loaded truth behind mommy wine culture, which you know this is a topic I love. I'm so excited and congrats. Thank you. It feels so good. It's a little surreal
1: to know people are actually reading it because this has been on my computer screen for years now. So to actually have it out and about in the wild is really cool.
0: I bet. Yeah. That has to feel like super vulnerable too. like you. You're writing a book. It's such a solo thing. You're in your closet. You're in your home. You're in your wherever. And then, yeah. How does it feel to have it out and about, especially when it's about drinking and like, you know, a a topic that we've been taught to hide? Like, how does it feel?
1: You know, there was a week or two right before it went out or I think right when people started to get the Amazon orders. I felt like I was just butt-naked because I share like my very worst stories in this book. So to know that, you know, my father in is gonna read this
0: and oh you know my I've always known yeah. that
1: that, you know, everyone who loves me and who I love is gonna read this book eventually. But to actually have it at that time where now the time is here. And people who didn't see the first uh the early drafts they will now read it. And it was really scary. But to get the response I'm getting, the fact that people are buying it is so encouraging and exciting. And it also, I think it shows people want more of these stories. People want to hear our stories. And um, I think hopefully for the book publishing world, this will encourage more books to come out about recovery because these books are getting
0: bought. People want to hear about this. It's so funny because when I stopped drinking, I went like face first into any quitlet I could find, right? Like I was constantly Mm -hmm. listening to stuff. And there does come a time, and I'm talking about by women, I didn't really go into the men's books because I wanted to at least try to see myself on the page and like, tr- you know, I could just obviously relate more to the women's stories. And I did like get to the end of like Quitlet books. And I was like, how is this possible? How have I listened to or read all of these books? And so I do think that the publishing world doesn't realize the like vast need that women have for this kind of book and a story like yours and to, to
1: read it. I think the demands there and now more than ever, you know, we're seeing these stats on the news. This is current news that women are drinking more than ever. This is a woman problem and we need to address it. But also, you know, stories are, are hopefully just going to keep coming out because the need is there. The problem is clear, And until we can get to the root of it and address some of the more systemic issues women face, women have to understand how to address it at the root problems, at in their home, with how much they're drinking, with their family, with their workplace. And hopefully one day we'll get at a place where we can address it systemically and be more supportive of women and mothers in general. But we're not there yet.
0: Yeah. No, we're not. We're, we're so far from it. And your book really highlights that and, and highlights the need. I think I generally, when I talk about mommy wine culture, I come at it from such a different way because it, I, I'm an influencer. I was a part of that. And I see the marketing behind it. And I see the systems in place that are ensuring that women keep drinking, mm-hmm. right? Like there's, there's a lot of money, billions of dollars going into making sure That women keep drinking. And so, I mean, I think that's very important to know that when we see a pink label, that's because they want us to drink it. It's not just because like, oh, isn't that cute? Like they think, oh, you know, women, oh, all they need to see is a pink label and then they'll think this is good or organic or whatever. But I love that this is such a different perspective. And like, yes, there's a whole system in place designed to make sure women drink more. But let's talk about like even beyond that, why are they drinking more? And what are women and specifically moms not getting at that root level that causes them to need, and I'm going to say need, it's more than a want, right? To need to escape, to need to, to find ways to cope. And when that glass of wine is right there, that feels really damn easy just to pour it. And if it works right away, I mean, that's very enticing
1: it is and we know from science and years of research that women drink for different reasons than men men drink more to socialize and to party and to have fun and women drink more to cope with uneasiness with anxiety and depression you know we mm. we have years of research to show that so what is it that women are drinking to cope with and why now you know i think specifically we're three years into po- post-pandemic, women are drinking more than ever, and it's not just a coincidence. You know, mm-hmm. I look at the lack of postpartum we s- support we
0: have for women. Oh my god! And you struggled with that too, which you write about in your book. I did too, and I think we talked about this in your first episode. We'll link that too. So you guys, we do go into more of Celeste's story in the first time she was on the podcast, but. Yeah, your first doctor, I mean, uh, that was like malpractice that, you know, said uh, if a doctor's saying psych ward to you when you go in with these postpartum anxiety, depression, OCD, intrusive thoughts, all of these things that so many women are inflicted with and that we keep quiet because we're afraid, exactly. a doctor's going to say, obviously, something's very wrong with you and you need to check yourself into a psych ward. Like, Oh, my God. That's a great way to shut a woman up. Yes. Th- that's why I was quiet for a year and a half, right? I was afraid I would be locked up if someone saw inside my brain. Mm-hmm. I was afraid they would say, okay, just lock her away. Like, we don't know what to do with her. And so when you finally did get help, you got medicine to help with your postpartum depression or anxiety. But it also wasn't coupled with okay, let's also talk about alcohol because what is the alcohol doing to our anxiety and to our mental health? And that's another huge oversight Mm -hmm. from doctors. I don't think that conversation is being had. It's not. And you know the part
1: that really frustrates me is when we hear about the talk and the science about breastfeeding, drinking while breastfeeding, Everyone's talking about the implications of alcohol in breast milk on the baby. Why aren't Mm -hmm. we
0: talking about the implications of alcohol on the mother? (laughs) Right. Well, and it's the same thing about like, don't drink when you're pregnant, right? Because we have to protect that baby, which yes, we, we have to protect that baby, but how we protect the baby is by protecting the mom. Yes, And like, if moms are not okay babies are going to suffer. That's just how it goes. And not even bringing up the idea and and the fact that alcohol raises anxiety makes it so much worse. Depression wreaks havoc on our mental health. And then saying, but take this pill, which I'm, you know, if if you need medication for anxiety, I still take mine for OCD. Turns out I just have OCD. I, I had postpartum OCD very badly, but I also just have OCD. And that's okay. Medication is there to to help support my mental health. But also we have to be talking about how alcohol affects women's mental health. And it's sabotaging it in so many ways. So for
1: a new mother who's low on sleep, who's stressed out, who's burnt out, her whole world's turned upside down to now be using alcohol as a coping mechanism is doing so much damage. It's self-sabotage and nobody's having that conversation. Instead, we're hearing about safe ways to pump and dump and how much Mm -hmm. milk actually gets into the breast milk. We need to be talking about the implications of alcohol on maternal mental health as well.
0: Yes. I'm so glad you also brought up the pandemic. And I always want to point out that it was the pandemic response to in the lockdown. And if a mom had a village... Right. Which even that we don't have the village that we need anyway, when it's a good day, when it's not a pandemic response. But if the mom did, that was taken away overnight for a long time. You know, we were in lockdown in Chicago for I don't even know. It felt like a long time, and we couldn't go outside, no parks, all of that. And I think that we just don't talk about that and how it affected mom's mental health and women's drinking. And I know when I sit down in this chair and talk to the moms who so bravely share their story on here in the Real Sober Mom Chats, so many times they were saying, you know, I thought I kind of had a hand on my drinking. I was moderating. I I was... (sighs) Like I still didn't like my relationship with alcohol, but I was it was that dance and it was okay. And then the pandemic. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, we need to talk about how women were completely just ignored and how that affected us. You know, when I think about what we did, we you know, the
1: the government, society culturally, we were trying to you know, keep restaurants going. And we were trying to support small business and we're, we're trying to do all these things. And I feel like mothers just bore the brunt of every single thing. Yes. And I think about, you know, the dynamic shifts and responsibilities that happened during the pandemic. A lot of that fell on parents, but specifically, you know, according to U S census data, more often than not, it was falling on the mothers more so than the father's
0: and this is why i i always and you point this out in the book too like when we talk about mommy wine culture and moms turning to alcohol like i i will never shame the mom who who turns to to alcohol and you really make that clear in the book too this is not an attack on moms who fall into mommy wine culture and what i say is there there's no shame in being tricked by something that is meant to trick you and of course When we were needed so much, when we had so much asked of us, even above and beyond what we do all the time, every day, when now we were the teacher and the full-time caregiver, all of it, all of it on top of everything else, like, of course, women turned to wine.
1: I mean, I I so understand. It really felt like it was one of those times in life where there was just no other solution. Like there was no solution at all. And then you look at the social media feeds and the quarantinis mm. and pandemic punch and grocery stores saying, "Get all your home supplies here."
0: Pointing yes. at the wine aisle, and that like like alcohol was essential, an essential thing that you could have now delivered. Yes, your home essentials. Yes.
1: While recovery meetings, of course, shut down. I mean, the irony right. of all of it. It's like, how could we not see this coming? So, you know, when I think about why women are drinking more than ever around the pandemic, but in general, too, you know, I I look at the postpartum support as a a huge problem, but I also look at, you know, the lack of benefits and flexibility in the workplace. I look at our maternity leave policy and our lack thereof federally. Uh, The fact that women, most women are returning to work between six and 12 weeks in the U.S., uh, they are unpaid for that time they take off. We see that according to you know attachment parenting, the attachment is so critical between the baby and the parents in those early weeks. And we are pulling parents away from that right from the get-go. And, and especially when women are more inclined to battle postpartum depression, anxiety, they just had a baby. Yes. And now they're supposed to return to work like nothing's changed at all. We have less flexibility at work. There's Our workplace is still under this guise that you are working while somebody's at home raising your children. And that's just not how parents work anymore in 2023. And yet yeah. we're expected to work that way. I feel like there are so many places where we just have not set up society to parent or
0: to raise children. Yes. And it it really does, it falls on the moms. And you talk about the mental load of motherhood. And I think anyone who's a mom knows what that is, right? I sent this reel to my husband the other day. There was a guy, I, I wish I could remember his name, but he gave an example of like, he took some, muffins or something. They were, his wife had just taken them out of the oven and they were sitting on top of the stove. And then he takes one out and he's going to feed it to the toddler. And then he calls to his wife in the other room and says, Hey, are these too hot to feed to said toddler? Right. And she's like, what? Yes. I, I just took them out of the oven. Right. And he goes, this is a perfect example of decision fatigue and how all I had to do the husband, was just to use his reasoning skills, look at the muffin, break it open. Is it steaming? Would you feed that? But so often, and yes, in a vacuum, does that seem like a big deal? Like, no, that doesn't seem like a big deal. That is just one of a million decisions that moms have to make each day. I kind of called my husband out after I sent him that reel. And I said, you know when you ask me, hey, what time is it? Yes. (laughs) Look at the fucking clock. Or like, hey, what's the weather today? And I'm like, I am not Al fucking Roker, okay? (laughs) Like, look, you have the same resources I do to get that information. And I had to kind of Preface it to say, like, no, it's not just about asking me what time it is. It's about not realizing what I'm in the middle of. And then my mind has to shift right into something else. I'm completely torn all the time. Yeah. I think it's such a great
1: example because there's this mental ticker in our head constantly going about where our kids are at any given moment, all the things that need to be done, the emotional tone of everybody is little Billy. Okay. I'm worried about Sally's friendship situation. It's just omnipresent. And you know, what I, I generally say is I have probably most of the answers that everyone's looking for. Like I I know, like if if you want to know if the weather's too cold and if Lily, little Billy should bring a sweater to school today. Yeah, I have that answer. And I also know where we are on the IEP. I know when their shots are due next. You know, I know all these things, but sometimes I just don't want to know. Yes. I just would love to be ignorant and just say, look
0: at the F up yourself. (laughs) Yes. Like, look at your watch. Like, look, and he's not doing it out of, he's not lazy, right? He's not, like, he's, it's just generally speaking, when moms are the pillar of the household and the family and that we do know everything, I liken it to like even, and I work from home, even when I have our babysitter here, I'm still the manager. I used to be a manager at Bloomingdale's, right? I'm still the manager. They're still coming to me with customer complaints. It's still all falling on me and it just doesn't stop. And when you said like, you know where every one of your children is, like when I'm, when I'm falling asleep at night, I know. I put them to bed. I'm still going over in my mind. Okay. Yep. Gray is here. Evie's right. You're just constantly going through like, where is everybody? How are they? What do I have to do?
1: And what's the situation going to be tomorrow? How do we prep for that? I was just having this conversation with a friend about how men generally are more inclined to compartmentalize and you know, not to make this like bash on our husband's day, but- (laughs) I also I have a great husband who does you know as much of his fair share as he can considering he works out of the office. Yesterday he he just saunters home whenever he feels like it, you know. And and it's forty five minutes after when we normally have dinner, and it just doesn't even cross his mind to be like, "I should check in." I wonder if everyone's good on the family. I wonder if everyone anyone needs anything, and. My thinking, you know, I get into this little rage because I'm like, it must be nice. You can just take an extra 45 minutes to be wherever the hell you want without the entire house imploding.
0: <laughs> yes. Yes. Like, I don't know if I'm more triggered than when my husband comes home with a haircut. I I literally have to like talk myself down I get hot and I'm like holy shit this guy can just get a haircut like he could just get it he doesn't have to rearrange schedules and like make sure the three other people four other people in our family are taken care of and accounted for and pickups like he can just like come home with a haircut
1: it's a whole different world (laughs)
0: different world also the reason there's there's no dad guilt right like have you ever heard dad guilt well I haven't no there's no such thing
1: because anything a dad does is considered a bonus and you're such a good dad you know I yeah on TikTok they call it dad privilege like if you take (laughs) your kids grocery shopping and you're a dad you are such a
0: good dad a mom doing that meh Well, that's just a to do. Yeah. Yeah. And that's I think I saw one of your reels where it's like it's only noticed when we don't do
1: it when something goes wrong.
0: Absolutely. And so like when I'm doing laundry and it's just constant, they're, they're not checking in and peeking in the laundry room and being like, hey, I see what you're doing. Good job. No, it's like, hey, do you know where my undershirt is? Do you my or my daughter would be like, "I don't have any shorts?" And I'm like, "Oh my God, it's so this is the mental load. Mm-hmm.
1: They only notice when something goes wrong or it's not done. Yeah, otherwise, you know it, it that's why it's called invisible labor because it just seamlessly magically happens.
0: Yes, I love that you you talk about visible versus invisible labor, and that visible labor we have put a higher value on, right? Like something we can see that is tangible. But yes, invisible labor labor is that's where that's where we come in and paid
1: and unpaid labor. It's the same thing, right? It's we value paid labor, we don't value unpaid labor Uh, in a household. They're just as critical to keep the home running. You can't just put one down uh, and just say, you know what, I'm going to stick with the paid labor and screw c- paying attention to bills and, you know, man- managing the bank accounts and, yes. and getting the laundry
0: done and getting the kids to school because I don't get paid for that. So Right. And, and like the water bottles and the and the gifts and the birthday parties and the RSVPs and uh, yes, and all of that. And this isn't just a, you know, let's just come on here and bitch. But it kind of is because you know what happens when we do that? When we allow space for moms to say, this is really hard. And do you know why it's hard? Let me vent. I can, like venting is very healthy when you don't vent what what happens to it, right? We push it down. We push it down. We drink wine to escape so we don't feel it at that point. We are going to feel it. Right then, we just don't care, right? Wine just makes us not care. It's, yeah. That's just what it does about anything, okay? And so we have to give moms this space to say, you know what? It really sucks when my husband does this or when my kids do... Like, we have to be able to do that. And I always say... Without the disclaimer of, but I love them and I am so grateful. And because, yes, we know, we know that already. Like, that's a given. We know we love our husbands. We know we love our children. We know, we know that. That is just going in. We know that. And then we have to be able to say, I mean, like when my husband is complaining about his job, right? And it's a job he chose. And no one is going to say, well, you chose it. Like, so you can't, aren't you just grateful to have a job? you going to be like, fuck off. No, this sucked. Like so-and-so screwed up today, right? Right. I would never be like, well, you should just be grateful that you have a job. No, we need to allow moms to vent in the same way. You
1: know, this is a great segue because I think one of the other reasons uh, and one of the things I researched for why women are drinking more than ever speaks to the unequal distribution of labor at home. And I think Mm. it's such an important topic and it's a topic we're hearing about more, but for many, many years, women and mothers who were stay at home mothers felt gaslighted by feeling like their work wasn't important or valued. Um, Now, you know, we're having these conversations Where, you know, talking about paid versus unpaid labor and how important both of them are, and talking about redistribution of labor when children are involved and what that looks like and what gendered roles in the household traditionally are versus what makes more sense for your family. Right. And, And having that redistribution conversation after children are born can really ease our mental load. But when you don't have it, then yeah, it's one of the things you're probably going to be drinking at because you're enraged, you feel undervalued, you feel invisible. I think that really feeds into why women are drinking more than ever.
0: Yes, for sure. And it's kind of like that resentment and bitterness, right? And that's really hard to feel. And we always talk about resentment being a sign of like a boundary needs to be set or something, a conversation, many conversations need to be had. And that's what you actually like sat down with your husband, right? Like shortly, was it shortly after your first son? It was in the first couple months. Okay. Yes. I mean, that's pretty, yeah, that that's pretty soon to be like, hold on. I mean, good for you to be like, wait a second, something's, something has to change. How did that go? Like, what, what did you say? It was so freaking good. Like I was
1: scared to death because to be fair, I went into it thinking this is because I'm failing as a mother. Like that was my genuine perspective. Like a good mother would not need to have this conversation because she would, she would have her stuff in order. Uh, So that was my first thing that I know now is wrong and that every mother gets to this point at some point, every mother I've ever met. Which
0: is why we're talking about it, which is why we're meant to be like, if you're feeling these feelings, it means you're human. It's so normal. Yeah.
1: But I will say, you know, I had, I told my husband how I was feeling. I told him what I needed to be changed. Otherwise I was going to burn out. Like I was Mm -hmm. just going to lose it. And uh, he was genuinely grateful to be having this conversation. He was honestly frustrated that I was being so controlling around the baby and around this new responsibility we had in parenting in the first place. Like I had no idea, but I had been pushing him away in this drive of mine to be this amazing I can do it all mother. And as a result, I was pushing him away from being a present father to being there. And I never would have known that if we didn't sit down and have that conversation. So I'm forever grateful that we started. And it wasn't just one conversation. Like this is something that we've had to revisit every other year, but um, I'm so glad we started talking about it, frankly, because it changed my life.
0: What are some of the things for women who are listening who are they're, and they're nodding their heads, which I'm sure all of them are? What are the, what are some of the things that we can redistribute and kind of take off our plate? And and I know it's different for every women, woman and mom, but what what's something that your husband kind of was like, "Oh yes, like let me take that off your plate."
1: What I did, some of the biggest things I did during those early months of motherhood was, you know, at that point, I was exclusively breastfeeding. We decided that I we were going to incorporate formula so that he could participate in the night feedings.
0: Which is huge.
1: I mean, that in and of itself changed everything.
0: Yes. I think that we've been taught to wear this breastfeeding thing as a badge of honor. But it's oh my God, is it so draining? I mean, not only is it physically you're making food from scratch. Like your body is making food from scratch. That is very tiring. But those those nighttime feeding sessions and and that seem to go on. I mean, I breastfed both of my girls for 13 months and and like I look back and it's a blur. I was so tired. I was so tired. And so what was the cost, right? What is the cost? I know th- That's right. a great like, question I to know asking. the benefit, but what was the cost? And and like, oh man, there's absolutely no shame. I think as moms, especially new moms, a lot of time we feel like we need permission to say, I need help. or Or we feel like we need permission to say, I think I want medication, or I think I want to try formula, like give yourself that permission because it's just, what's the cost? I so
1: agree with that. Um, and I was the exact same way. Like I felt like I had to, I had to explain myself for everything. Like when I stopped breastfeeding for both my children, I felt like I had to announce it with the whole explanation. Like it just so much guilt already just kind of draining us and sucking us dry because you get all these messages about what makes a good mom, what's going to be the best for your baby.
0: And if you're not doing it that way, you feel judged. Yeah, you do. And you feel like, like, I remember feeling like I should feel sad when I weaned and that I was, uh, and I was like, wait, this is great. Like I get my body back. Like I get to figure out what this body feels like again, because I, it hasn't been mine for so long. I think that just women overall, we, we have this pressure on us that you can do it all. You mentioned Rachel Hollis in the book, which I'm so glad you do, because I, I oh, man. Wo, man, that toxic positivity, just don't waste your time what like if you want it, you can do it. And if you don't have it, you're just not working hard enough. And that, I think, oh, so dangerous.
1: And yeah, and it feeds into this whole hustle culture that if you don't have it, like you said, you're not working hard enough. You don't want it enough. You're not trying. That anybody who is putting enough energy into something will achieve their heart's desire. And of course, anybody probably for anything knows that that's just BS. I mean we we could all we could want so many things, and for any any reason. At all. It's just not going to be practical, or it's just the wrong time, or it's the wrong place, or whatever it is. Um, You know, I think about the lean in movement too, that really uh, shaded me for so long that a will to lead, like my, the only thing keeping me from the executive desk and chair was my will to lead. <laughs> like,
0: oh my God. Will to lead. Was that Cheryl? What's her face? Yeah. From Cheryl Facebook, Sandberg, right? yeah. Yes, that's right. Oh my God. And the thing is like, something's got to give. This is why when we're, when we're expecting so much, when we're putting so much pressure and, and not on ourselves, when society puts so much pressure on us and when we, it's all the guilt and all of that stuff is so hard to feel that then, you do. I, I love that you included the piece that you wrote for Scary Mommy before you stopped drinking, that, that, that glass of wine felt like a reward, right? Because finally, and you said, where, am I self-medicating? But fa- like, what are we left to do, right? That's it, yeah. It felt like that was all I had left. Like you, the
1: world has taken everything from me. Just leave me my wine. (laughs) Like in my, you're
0: going to have to pry it out of my cold, dead
1: hands. (laughs) (laughs) That was it exactly. And that's how it felt. It was like, yes, I know my drinking's becoming problematic. I know that this is probably a toxic relationship, but I have nothing else.
0: Don't take this from me too. Yes, and I think when people bump up against our messages that you and I share on Instagram, it's that, right? And what that is, is fear. And they don't know, and I always want to be like, if you only knew what was on the other side. Yes. Like, just give yourself a chance. It takes so much courage to give yourself a chance to say, okay, maybe, maybe this wine is making it harder. Maybe this wine is making my anxiety worse. Maybe it's making motherhood harder maybe it's sabotaging everything that I'm trying to work so hard at. And I just always want to like be that lifeline just to be like, just try, just try, please just try. And pregnancy doesn't count. Right? <laughs> right. Right. you talk you talk about that in the book too, which I'm so glad because it's so pregnancy doesn't count for, and, and yes, like, any break you give your, yourself in your body, and your mind, any break you give yourself from alcohol is a win, yep. right? But pregnancy doesn't count for so many reasons. You don't have to deal with the forever question. Like, it's you're doing it for your baby. Like, it's very clear no one's going to pressure a pregnant no person pressure. to exactly. drink, right? And if they do, I mean, run. And so often women use that as a sign of, see, nothing to see her. Like nothing to see here. We're fine. I stopped when I was pregnant and I'm fine. We all have, haven't we? Um, Yeah, I've proven it to
1: myself. And maybe, and I I did this to myself, since I've gotten through nine and a half months of no alcohol, my relationship with alcohol
0: will look different this time.
1: Because now I'm a mom, you know.
0: Now I'll be able to moderate. Right, because that's what we're taught. And we're taught that if we can't, and if the alcohol does its alcohol thing, then something's wrong with us. Right. It's our problem. And then it's our problem. And that's just not true. And that's the thing about an addictive substance is you do just pick up where you left off. I'm not a scientist, but that is science.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's why they call it progressive. Uh, you yes. know, you're going to pick right back up. It might take a couple weeks or it might take a couple months, but generally 99% of people are not going to reduce
0: their alcohol use over time. That's just not the direction it goes. That's just not, it wasn't ever designed to. It's not designed not to get addicted to, right? It's designed to get addicted to. Yeah. And there are many, many billions of dollars going into making sure women are addicted. And that's the, I mean, and men, but they kept dying. There's that. And now women are too. And so, like, oh my God, you guys. But this is why we're talking about it. And this is why you wrote the book. And I think it's probably the most important conversation that we can have around alcohol, I think, because it's really, really tricky. It is. And, you know, as somebody who has
1: been on both sides of it and you as well, you know, I think it's tricky. I've seen, you know, how I fell down the rabbit hole, but I've also seen what it looks like when I crawl back up. And that's the gift that comes with sobriety. That's what I hope people reading the book will learn, you know, how to find coping strategies to cope with some of our biggest stressors without alcohol and how to help mothers, but really anybody who feels stuck in this alcohol trap and to understand how you got here. But what to do about it.
0: Yes. And you talk about, you know, some strategies like giving ourselves timeouts. And like so often, I mean, I take a timeout like every day. I escape, like I still escape in in sobriety. I still need, I'm touched out by 5:30. I tell my kids. I can't right now. I'm going to go in here for 10 minutes by myself and you're not going to follow me. Or I will just hide if they try to follow me. (laughs) But I think that is the true gift of sobriety is knowing now how we feel and what we need. Like, and then just being able to say it. And we've needed it all along, right? Right. We always have. uh, But only in sobriety can we actually have that
1: intuition and be able to connect with what our body actually needs. Because, you know, newsflash, it's not alcohol and it never has been.
0: Yes, it's so true. And, and you liken it to diet culture. I, I also think about, you know, mommy's little helper and like Valium. It just feels to me like big alcohol is just sitting at, a, at our kitchen table and pushing it toward us and being like, shh, just drink this, you know, like, no, you don't have to talk. You don't have to figure out what you need. Just drink this
1: you know, you talk about decision fatigue. I mean, alcohol is such a great way to delay those decisions. You know, it, it masks as serving our needs in so many ways. And, you know, I think about the pandemic and I think about the alcohol advertising in general, that it really oftentimes feels like the only people or the only thing out there that has any empathy for mothers. And you know, it's it masks as, as empathy. Really, they just want access to our wallets. But right. they disguise it as we know you're overburdened, we know you're struggling, we can help.
0: Yes. Oh God. And how creepy is that? Mm-hmm. The wolf right? in she's sheep's clothing. It totally is. Mm-hmm. It totally is. And that's why there's no shame. If you fell victim, yeah, right. There's just no shame, and and the good part is, is that you can see clearly. Now you can like there are books like Celeste's, like you can start to learn the truth, and it does kind of feel like stepping out of a cult. I've never been in a cult. I don't think. I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> no, I don't, I don't think I have. But it doesn't it feel like when the blinders are mm. off. And then you're like, oh holy shit. Like I imagine it's like what Leah Remini felt like leaving oh, Scientology. I, I get that. <laughs> or, just, or like Emily leaving her MLM, being like, Oh my God, like I'm seeing things clearly and holy shit.
1: It really is. You know, th- I mean, the the funny part of all this this morning, I was looking through my time hop on Facebook and six years ago is like a month before I quit drinking, two months oh, before wow. I quit drinking was today six years ago and it was a post of me in an mlm saying how what i'm doing at this event is filling my cup and i'm looking at this post this morning like gagging because oh my god that, yeah that shit wasn't filling my cup
0: Right. Wait, you were okay. Did I know this about your story that you were in one too? Were you in the same one as Emily? Which we're not going to say any name. Okay. I was in a different different one, but equally, you know, problematic. It is no surprise to me that at my worst
1: place drinking and right before I had to quit, I was in an MLM because you lose your inhibitions and you lose the voice of reason in your head that says, bad idea. Right. Or, you know, stop cold messaging people you haven't talked to in 20 years because that's just gross <laughs> and my I feel like when I was in this gray area of my drinking I was able to push those voices aside and say it's okay it's okay and I get it like I I totally get why I was where I was at that point but I also understand why that's right around the time where I quit drinking because My life was spiraling a little bit faster and faster and faster. And um, I'm so glad I got out of all of it
0: when I did. Yes. I said it's like learning a new language when that little voice starts to come online again in sobriety and like you can learn to trust it and you kind of start to decipher what's going on in there. And mm-hmm. then you, and I'm not talking about your brain because our brains, yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't listen to your brain. <laughs> um, I'm, t- I'm talking about your gut, which is a totally different thing. Listen to your gut, right? And when that starts to come online and when you start to get fluent in your language again, I mean, I don't think I had been fluent in, in like that since, What since high school and then it didn't even uh, it wasn't fully developed. Exactly. It it didn't know what it wanted. And so it's just this whole, it's like next level living. When you can hear that and trust it and count on it to kind of guide you, you take over the world. Relearning how to live life. Yes. Fully. Because I don't think when
1: we're drinking, we're we can fully we can't fully live life because we're literally killing brain cells. We're
0: literally numbing part of it out. Yes. And that's, You guys, that's after one glass. Yeah. Like, it's not even talking about, like, rock-bottom drinking. This is one glass, two glasses of wine. I think that's what was most shocking when I stopped because I definitely had my drinking days. But when I stopped, I wasn't, you know, daily drinking or anything like that. But I was like, oh, holy shit. Even just those glasses during the witching hour, I was missing things and missing those little things. Oh. It's eye-opening. You guys were talking about the wine, but it's not about the wine. Oh my <laughs> God. We need to figure out what's underneath. And Celeste is doing that. The loaded truth behind mommy wine culture. Go get it. You guys, I just told Celeste it's at Target. She didn't even know, but it is. You could go Target. It's online at Target. It's a big deal. It's really cool. Do you feel
1: what a big deal this is? It's so exciting. I I went to Barnes and Noble and it was there. And to be next to all these other books, like what is this
0: world I'm living in? It's real. It's the real world. Like you deserve it. You're incredible. And the world is better having this book in it. And and every mom needs to read it. So I, I just, I thank you. I thank you for coming on again. Thanks, Suzanne. This was so great. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Sober Mom Life. If you loved it, please rate and review it wherever you listen. Five stars is amazing. Also, follow me on Instagram at The Sober Mom Life. Okay, I'll see you next week. I'm going to go reheat my coffee. Bye. It's easy to blame ourselves for our struggles with alcohol. We see people around us being able to control their drinking without any consequences, yet no matter what we try, we can't seem to figure it out for ourselves.